Our scripture reading for today is taken from the letter known as 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 26, and Paul is here addressing the Corinthian Christians. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do, as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth. We pray that you would strengthen our faith through them. Amen. A number of years ago, I was talking to a friend of mine who had been a pastor at the time over in the Czech Republic. And uh, after the walls fell of communism, uh, a number of churches started to grow again. And he was one of the pastors sent over to help serve many of these people. And he told the story about a, an elderly shut-in woman that he went to visit and uh, had finished a little devotion with her and celebrated the Lord's Supper and had these little plastic individual cups you've probably seen before if you've been to churches that use those. And uh, he was going to take it and throw it in the wastebasket, and the woman's, this elderly woman said, can I have that? And he said, well, I suppose. It's just a little plastic cup. And she said, well, I'll, I'll take that. Thank you. And she took it from him, and she pulled back the curtain on her window in her room, and here on the windowsill there were about 20 of these cups. And she said, I like to keep them because they remind me of God's love for me. And he was really taken back by that. What an appreciation she had for the Lord's Supper, that even a cup that's now empty could remind her of what a blessing we have in this sacrament, even to the point of picking them out of the garbage can, cleaning them out to put them on her windowsill. When Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, the night that he was betrayed, if you remember before he went out into the garden, uh, that night he had celebrated the Passover with his disciples. And that meal that he then takes the leftovers from and institutes the Lord's Supper, that precise meal becomes the very turning point, the pivoting point from the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, to the New Covenant, the New Testament. And that's why Jesus says to them that night, I give you a new covenant in my blood. And this would now mark the beginning of the New Testament church. All of the things that had been involved with Old Testament worship life, all of those ceremonies and sacrifices and all the rituals and things that had to be done were pointing ultimately to him, and he now became the embodiment. He became the very fulfillment of all of that Old Testament worship, which was now no longer necessary, and he turns to the new covenant church that we now belong to as Christians in this age. And he now gives us not just, not just elements to remind us of who he is, but himself. He says, I give you my very body and blood with these blessed elements of bread and wine. Now, the context of the passage in front of us is that 
Um, the Corinthian Christians had sort of forgotten about the importance of this supper, and they weren't really handling it and dealing with it in the right way. St. Paul has to write this because they were kind of treating things too casually, and sometimes we can fall into that same thinking when it comes to preparing for the Lord's Supper. They had started to misuse the sacrament in their congregation, and Paul is warning them that when you do that, you run into the danger, even as a Christian, of taking it to your judgment, taking it in a way that, that God forbids and that he would hold his judgment over you. And so Paul has to sort of redirect their thinking. In fact, he goes so far to say that with what they're doing, they should stop this and flee from idolatry. He calls it idolatry as to how they're treating the Lord's Supper. A few decades ago, there was a theologian by the name of Hermann Sasse from Germany and later Australia, and he wrote this. I always like this. He said, nearly every doctrine of the Bible comes to bear on the Lord's Supper. You can, you can make kind of a connection of almost every teaching in the Bible, finally, to this meal that Jesus gives us. And that means also, on the, on the other side, conversely, that... Almost every heresy that has come in the church will work its way finally to the Lord's Supper as well. Satan knows just how precious this gift is to the church. And he knows if he can steal your heart away from it, if he can steal your thinking away from being properly uh, understood and prepared for it, he can harm your faith. When we eat the very body and blood of Christ, eat and drink that, it's for the forgiveness of our sins. And St. Paul says, on top of that, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Properly preparing for the Lord's Supper keeps us ready for Jesus' return. We are now in the last few weeks of the church year when the calendar of the church decided centuries ago to use this time to think about the end times and how the, the, the church should be ready for our Savior to come back. And the most spiritually unhealthy thing that you and I can do is to procrastinate with our repentance, to think that we can kind of put that off and it's no big deal before God. It, it's sort of like allowing a, a, a bad tumor to grow inside of your body, except in a spiritual way. And so the Lord's Supper, when we prepare for it properly by examining ourselves, it doesn't allow that tumor to get embedded in us, that tumor of doubt or apathy. And so when we properly go and examine ourselves and repent before God of all of our sins before we take this special meal, it, it's a way, it's, it's almost like a, a, the Holy Spirit acts like a surgeon uh, to cut out these bad tumors that can grow inside of us. Many years ago, in fact about 100 years after the time of Jesus, there was a pastor in the area of Syria and he wrote this to a congregation in Antioch. He said, he, he calls the Lord's Supper the medicine of immortality. I like that, the medicine of immortality. This is what he writes. Try to gather more frequently to celebrate God's Eucharist, that's the Lord's Supper, and to praise him. For when you meet with frequency, Satan's powers are overthrown and his destructiveness is undone. And think how Jesus has designed this meal. It's, it's, it's for personal comfort. He takes the very thing that he used in his life to go to the cross and pay for your entrance into heaven, 
And through his word, blessing bread and wine, he places that body and blood in reality into those elements for you to eat and drink, and yet they don't taste bad. And he does it in such a way to forgive you your sins. He puts your, the, the payment that got you into heaven, he puts it on your tongue. He wants you to be that sure that it happened for you. And that's why this meal keeps us so ready for Jesus to finally come back someday. Because it, it not only takes you to the cross, but it also points you forward in your life to the day you finally leave this life. And it keeps you and me on the narrow path, on the narrow path of faith. And so that proper preparation for the Lord's Supper is all part of this. This is an activity that the church engages in, uh, not only to receive God's grace. That, of course, is the most important. But when Christians celebrate the Lord's Supper together, it's as if we are holding Christ up to the world and saying, this is the only way to get to heaven. This is the, the one and only thing that can, can purchase us out of our graves and finally give us eternal life. That's why, that's why Paul says that every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You hold Christ high before the world with the confession of your church with fellow Christians when you celebrate the Lord's Supper. just want to close on a little, a little note that happened to me when I was a young pastor. Uh, down in Florida. There was an elderly man in my congregation. He was probably in his early 80s. And um, I found out later that, uh, that he had gone to the doctor uh, the same week. And his wife, he asked his wife to call me. And his wife uh, said that he told her after his doctor's appointment, he told her, tell the pastor, bring your kit. Bring your kit, which is my little personal communion kit for shut-ins. So I went to his house. And just that morning, just that morning, he had had a doctor's appointment, and the doctor told him, you have a very bad heart, and there's a very good chance that your heart could give out within the next weeks or so, maybe months. And so he immediately, when he got home, said, call the pastor, tell him to bring his kit. So I did. And I had a devotion with him. We talked about him preparing to die, and I celebrated the Lord's Supper with him. And two days later, the Lord took him from this life. Uh, what a comfort and reassurance he wanted to receive and knew he would receive from this little sacred meal that Jesus has set up. May God the Holy Spirit continue to work in our hearts and stir up true faith to appreciate and treasure this wonderful thing that Jesus tells us to take often, by the way. He tells us to take it often and to prepare for it properly so that it keeps us on that narrow path until he finally comes back. Amen.